Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. As usual, it's me, Mr. Fantastic, joining Ayaz Memon and Samil Arora as we cover all the important sporting action from the last week. It doesn't get bigger than the India versus Pakistan World T20. And finally, Pakistan have that monkey off their back. Well, Ayaz, what did you think of that game yesterday? I thought Pakistan was absolutely mind-blowingly good. Well, Mr. Fantastic, very disappointing result, obviously, for Indian fans and Indian cricketers and everybody else who supports the Indian team. Uh, but I must say that Pakistan, uh, this was a 10-on-10 performance by Pakistan. Just about everything that you expect would go right for the team went right for them, right from winning the toss and then, you know, in the power play, getting rid of uh, Rohit Sharma, KL Rahul, Surya Prakash Yadav. So India were on the back foot right from virtually the first over. And they never recovered. I mean, they did recover a bit uh, moment of the momentum while batting through Virat Kohli and, uh, and Rishabh Pant. But the way Babar Azam and Mohammad Rizwan chased down a 150-plus score just put the pitch and the match in perspective. You know, in Pakistan winning by 10 wickets. And frankly, they would have chased down even 25, 30, maybe 35 runs more had they needed to. And it showed the nature of the pitch. There was not much danger in the pitch. Actually, the danger was all in the highly skillful bowling of Shaheen Shah Afridi. And, and of course, supported by the others. But I thought Afridi was the man of the moment and the man of the match for uh, for Pakistan to get rid of Rohit Sharma first ball. We haven't seen that often, or at least in the last few years, that happening to Rohit Sharma, who, in my opinion, is arguably the best white ball batsman in the world today. And then KL Rahul, who's been in magnificent form right through the IPL, also in the warm-up games, for him to get out cheaply. And then, you know, I mean, I, I thought Virat played uh, a very good innings, very skillful innings. But he was always kind of worried about whether to attack too much or defend. I thought he did. The, he made the smart choice because you had to recover from the hole you had fallen into had he started playing aggressively or taking outrageous risks. So India completely and thoroughly outplayed in batting, in bowling, in fielding. I don't think there was actually too much tactics which went into this match because there was not enough time or, or, or enough need for Babar Azam. I, checked that, I thought that the drill of the Pakistan team was much superior than ours. It just seemed, you know, the, the bowlers were primed. Haris Rauf, Imad Wasim, Shadab Khan, all of them bowled quite superbly. So, and he had... All these bowlers, Babar Azam at his command, he used them well. The clincher was, of course, in his first spell, Shahin Shafridi getting a couple of wickets. And India's bowlers just not able to make any headway on this pitch. Not, not Bumrah, not Shami, not Bhuvaneshwar, not Jadeja or, or uh, Varun Chakrabarti. So I think that uh, in the earlier show, we discussed that India had a problem of plenty where choosing their playing 11 was. Now they've got plenty of problems going into the next match because <laughs> what this defeat has done is, apart from the, the psychological impact, you know, I mean, losing to Pakistan after 12 straight wins or 12 wins, uh, is also that they've you've been very badly battered where net run rate is concerned. So, because you've lost by 10 wickets. So now, not only does India have to win all the remaining matches, or you know, or that would be the best way to do it, but also keep an eye out on the net run rate because if the net run rate doesn't improve from here, you could win the matches and yet not be in the in the knockout stage. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously going to open up a lot of uh, 
questions again about the scheduling and the timing of the IPL, the tiredness of the players. And, you know, if you recall, we spoke a week ago where we said the Pakistan team is going to come in fresh. They're going to be completely focused only on this tournament. Whereas the Indian players have spent the last month and a half playing in the same venues and therefore should be acclimatized, but they're also fatigued. And I think that showed yesterday because I honestly didn't see any plan. There seemed to be no plan B. Everyone, especially in the bowling, looked extremely flat. Uh, there's also this question I have for you, which is, are Surya Kumar and Rishabh Pant clear about their roles in the middle order? Well, I I, I think the, the role is clear for anybody who plays T20, you know, in any team, number three or number four or number five. I mean, it's like, is Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell clear about his role? I'm sure he should be. He must be. I mean, he, there's a certain type of batting that he does. And if he doesn't do that, then the team suffers, you know. You can't ask Maxwell to play uh, the role of a solid, resolute sheet anchor and wait for things to happen around him. He's a doer and a mover and a shaker, which is what you expect Rishabh Pant to do, which is what you expect Surya Kumar Yadav to do. But you expect them to do it. Now, if they don't do it, it you know, for them to revise their, their whole batting profile is very difficult. Unless the pitch is such, it's so horrid that you can't, there's no timing, there's no rhythm, you really struggle. I thought that when Pant and Virat were batting is that Virat would hold one end up uh, and then let Rishabh Pant take those risks, get get some partnership going, let's come up to six and a half, seven runs and over and let's look at what we can do in the last five overs, maybe 50 runs, 55 runs. It's possible in those kind of pitches. But it didn't happen because Pant got dismissed and then Shortly after that, even Virat got dismissed. I think one of the things that uh, we should, or it should be mentioned, and I think Virat did that in the in the press conference quite uh, with, with a lot of candor, is that India were completely outplayed. I mean, look at the way Babar Azam and Mohammad Rizwan batted. You might say that, you know, the, the bowlers look flat, but you can also say that these guys played superb strokes. I mean, you know, Babar Azam's off-driving was a sight for the gods. And the, the sign of a high-quality player, much as we say to speak about Rohit and about Virat when they're in their pomp, is that he doesn't hit it to the fielder. He hits it between field between fielders. He's finding the gaps. Mohammad Rizwan is not as orthodox, not as classical. He's the improviser. The you know he plays the inventive strokes, and he did it marvelously. I must tell you, there's a there's a wonderful uh, video put out by the ICC today, uh, showing how he practiced. They've shot him while he was practicing those strokes. And then they've shown how he played exactly those same strokes in the match. Mohammad Rizwan against the Indian bowlers. So it's it's something that I think I think that in the preparation, I think to to one extent what you say is right. I think they they appeared mentally tougher, and they appeared mentally tougher. I think also because the pressure of expectation on the Indian team was higher. It's not an excuse. It would be the higher because these, this is a start-studded team. These guys have all been around for 10, 12 years, and have been the toast of the sport for so long. So the expectation will be higher. The Pakistan team played with a little more abandon, a little more, even if we lose, let's put in our best. You know, there was no fear of failure that I saw in them. And then, of course, once you start with, you know, you get Rohit's first ball out, the dugout, you know, it gets rattled, the Indian dugout. And then when Rahul gets out, then it is rattled even further. So unless, you know, something really heroic had to come from the Indian batting, which it didn't, uh, they were always going to be on the back foot. I, for a moment, thought when the innings break happened, that 150, you know, because you've been seeing the pattern on these pitches, 140, 150 have been very competitive scores. 
But this was a 175-180 wicket, you know, and therefore India were well short where the runs were concerned. The only way uh, India could have been competitive was to get, like Pakistan did in the power play, two or three wickets, which didn't happen. And so do you think for the matches coming up, anything needs to change or is it just a question of India having one bad day or one very bad day and then there's no need to panic yet? No, I think a very bad day also shows that you played very badly. You know, I mean, look at West Indies, defending champions, they got bowled out for 55 against England. So, you know, I mean, Pollard said, yeah, we've had a bad day because he also said that we played badly. But a bad day is not a reason to believe that the next day will be a good one unless you do something about it. You know, and I think India need to look at their combination. Their, I mean, for instance, now it's becoming clear that Hardik Pandya's place in the in playing eleven is very it's becoming untenable uh, because if he's not bowling and he may not bowl till the knockout stage, if he's not firing as a batsman and he's also got injured, so I mean, how do you play him now? You have to look at another batsman, maybe Ishan Kishan. Does the batting order need to be shuffled around a bit? Who knows? Maybe if Ishan Kishan is playing, maybe send him ahead of Surya Kumar Yadav because he looked in the better form uh, going into the World Cup. What about the bowling? Should should there be a third spinner? Perhaps maybe Ashwin could have been useful. We don't know. It was a flat track, but this is just conjecture. Uh, you know, Varun Chakravarti. I thought you know, uh, being exposed in a in the first match of the tournament against you know a very big match, Pakistan. I mean, Pakistan is not a mighty team on paper, but it was a very big match, big stage, big occasion. And you, you can, if you don't have that depth of experience, come up short, which is what I thought happened to him. And of course, Rizwan got on his case. Uh, and, you know, Rizwan is the kind of batsman who's difficult to keep in check because he's got a lot of unorthodox strokes. You know, he can pull you, slog sweep you from off stump, outside off stump, all kinds of strokes he'll play, which other batsmen may not dare to play. So he does that. That's the advantage of having a guy like Rizwan, uh, you know, at number one or number two. And amongst the fast bowlers, Bhuvneshwar looked a little off-colour. Shami had a bad day, certainly. And I'm not going by the last over that he bowled for, which he's been trolled uh, quite sadly and very heavily. But that by that time, the match was gone. So he couldn't have done anything. And Bumrah also didn't look half as effective as one expected him to be. So you can say that they look flat. You can also say that the Pakistani team was better prepared. And what I certainly feel is that Pakistan... Batting, bowling and fielding just completely outplayed India. I did talk about changes in the Indian team. Yes, they'll have to think about it. They have to put on their thinking caps. There's Shastri, the coach, Bilat Kohli, the captain. There's mentor in MS Dhoni. So the brain's trust is formidable. So India is not out of, a, out of the running. They're not out of contention for a place in the playoffs. But it's become very difficult. The first match, if you win and against Pakistan, your path is almost clear because this is actually the weaker group. The group of deaths is the other one, where there's Australia and England and West Indies and South Africa. What it means is India have to be really at their best against New Zealand. If they beat New Zealand, then you've got some minnow teams coming up, you know, Scotland and, and Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, so those are matches you expect to win. But what will also need to be done, apart from winning, is that they need to hike up their net run rate. The net run rate has been hit for a six because they lost by 10 wickets. So, A, you need to beat New Zealand. B, you need to up the net up the net run rate playing against the other teams. And third, keep your fingers crossed and hope that Pakistan also beat New Zealand. So, New Zealand are pushed out. You know, then it makes your chances of getting into the knockout that much easier. Of course, the fact is then that both India and Pakistan will be knockout. But it's not like the IPL knockout. This will be one versus three and two versus four. So, you know, it could be that we could have another 
mega match coming India up. Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean you're right. It's a very light group. Uh, no disrespect to any of the teams that have made it here. Uh, but other than New Zealand, India's other matches are Afghanistan, Namibia, and Scotland. You'd expect India to have easy wins over Namibia and Scotland. Afghanistan did give us a scare in the last 50 over World Cup as well. Uh, so, and well, they're a pretty experienced group now. So that could be a toughish match, but I think India should win it. So it's India New Zealand is practically a knockout now. It is, and remember the last two matches we have lost to them. You know, ICC matches. 2019 World Cup and then the World Test Championship, which we played in the, the final in England earlier this year. So, I mean, it's a different format, obviously, but you lost to the same team. So, you know, New Zealand knows everything about the Indian team and Indian players. You can't take them lightly. Yeah. So, for Indian fans, Pakistan-New Zealand is happening on uh, Tuesday, which is where we're expected now to support Pakistan because, well, we don't want New Zealand progressing any further. And India-New Zealand happens um, on Sunday, 31st of October, till which time India actually has a break. So it's a long, week-long break for the team to regroup and then there's back-to-back games for them. So let's hope it's just a one-off uh, result for this team. It's a strong team. We know that we have to keep uh, believing in them. This is the same group that we've come to expect will continue to show a strong performance. Out of some of the other games that happened, Australia uh, expectedly brushed aside South Africa, who who really look like a minnow team, you know, right now. They, they don't have any power players. Their one real performer, Faf Duplessis, is retired and he just shone so brightly in the IPL. Actually, actually, Mr. Fantastic, South Africa put up a very spirited fight against Australia despite making 118. Actually, Australia huffed and puffed to a win in the last over. Uh, so, it was Westerdies. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That they don't have the finishing touch at all. That is, the Australians are struggling to, you know, kind of become a cohesive unit. South Africa is not a strong team. That much is clear. You know, they're very heavily dependent. But they've got a very good bowling attack. There's Rabada, there's Norke, there's Tabrej Shamsi, there's Keshav Maharaj. So, they've got, you know, the spinners are doing well. If they get about 160, 155, 160 to defend, the South Africans will be a good team. But for that... Quinton Decock at the top of the order has to play consistently uh, and you know get su- get support from some of the others. That's not happened so far what we've seen. But England versus West Indies, West Indies was a disaster, you know. And I thought they were a little too casual. You may call it callous, but being bowled out for fifty-five, you give your bowlers no chance at all. How do you defend fifty-five? Yeah, you don't defend it. You might as well make it a two-innings game and see what comes of that. Well, lots more action coming up there, which we'll continue to follow. Um, one, one other development in cricket, I thought I might bring it to your notice, Mr. Fantastic, is that Ben Stokes has agreed to go for the Ashes. So, his finger injury fracture has healed and his, you know, he's obviously in a better mental frame of, uh, of mind. So, he's going and that's good news for Stokes himself, for the Ashes and also for the sport because he's such a major player. Once in a lifetime player, as we say it. So, for to have him back in action is a, is a great thing. Uh, I don't know what the Aussies feel about it, but I'm actually quite excited uh, if Ben Stokes is also in the uh, on the flight to Australia for the Ashes. Well, absolutely. And we'll have a bit of a curtain raiser coming up this week where Australia and England face off in the World T20. Uh, and New Zealand has its two games that matter as well. So, keep watching for a lot of action coming to us uh, from the World T20 tournament itself. Well, moving on to football. Uh, we had a lot of football action over the weekend. Uh, Real Madrid has comfortably beaten Barcelona away. And Barcelona are absolutely in the dumps right now. They have no clue what they're doing. They really have to figure out their future. 
and even if the scoreline seems like a one-two close call, it was really not that competitive because uh, Barcelona scored way into extra time, uh, rather way into injury time of the second half. Uh, moreover, moving back to the Premier League, uh, Chelsea started off the week with a thumping 7-0 win over Norwich. And while most of the other results went uh, to form, except maybe Everton losing at home to Watford, uh, the big game for Sunday night was Manchester United versus Liverpool. To talk about that, here's Samuel Arora. Hi, Mr. Fantastic. Hello. And probably you can tell by the tone of my voice, it's not the best Monday in the world, is it? 5-0. 5-0, Mr. Fantastic. Hands down, your team is just super, but at home as well. Couldn't get worse. It literally could not get worse as a football fan. Losing final, firstly, is bad enough. It's like being punched in the face. But then you get punched in the face not by just a random nobody. You get punched in the face by a worse rival who you have fought for literally your entire existence. Couldn't get worse, Mr. Fantastic. And we spoke about this briefly, Samuel, in the in the pre-show catch-up. And I think it's time for Ole to say adios. I suppose it is. Uh, The difference between Liverpool and Man United was evident, right? It was the coaching that made a world of difference. Because when you look at all the players in the field, you see stars on both sides. I mean, of course, uh, taking aside Fred and McTominay. But on the whole, these are two teams with probably the most highest speed and the most star-studded players in the entire league. And you don't expect United, someone... I mean, a team who's literally got so many stars to lose so badly. Where is the difference. The difference is in the coaching. Difference is in the tactics. And that's often something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team of coaches have been blamed for largely. And the thing is, Man United don't want to change. And there's a very uh, there's a very smart reason behind that, on their part at least. You, you, you kind of have to get their perspective. It's that they've chopped and changed so much with managers in the past five or six years that they want to give some degree of stability and some degree of continuity to someone Matter is, who is that someone? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's lost final to Liverpool. Paul Scholes said when United beat Atlanta in the midweek that you maybe just take this team against Liverpool and see what happens. And we've been hammered 5-0. You can't, you can't go further than that, can you? I think if, if there is a straw that breaks the camel's back, this has to be the one. The challenge really for United as a whole now is they've got, uh, uh, they've got a Champions League game coming up and then they've got a derby in, what, two weeks? Yeah, that's right. That's right, yes. I mean, no matter how many managers you change, I don't know if the team is still going to come together in that short a time period. So, uh, it's a call that the team management has to make. And it's a tough one. But I think you're right because we saw defensively, United just didn't have any presence. Salah was like, he was cantering and he was like waiting for someone to hit the ball to him and boom, there's a goal. It's it's a miracle that a few more were not scored. You know, Uh Paul Pogba, what what was that? What was that? I mean, he's it's a straight red and it deserved nothing less, to be very honest. So, let's just hope Nabi Keita is doing well. But it it's not expected from Paul Pogba. You're so right about that. And Paul Pogba normally is not the most defensive player in the world. You want to see him go play upwards. But because the composition of the team is such, he has to do these, uh, I wouldn't say dirty work. But he has to do the defensive part of it, which he evidently is not really very good at. And you saw that with that challenge. It's just a shame, Mr. Fantastic. Just a shame that there is such an abundance of talent in that Manchester United dressing room and it has to go out this way. But 
we may we may just run down on their parade, but let's also just give a word to Liverpool and Mohamed Salah. You mentioned him briefly. He was rampant. He was finding spaces that again existed, but he was exploiting them so so well. This guy could just go on and have a tremendous season. And the fact is, Liverpool are just a point behind Chelsea. This it will be just such a tasty battle at the end. And they clash in January, unfortunately. It's a long way out, but I already can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, a lot could change before January. But uh, right now, these two teams facing off against each other is really probably the most juicy match to look out for. Let's hope that there's some improvement on some of those teams, but otherwise some really strong performances to celebrate from uh, the world of football coming around. Uh, Let's quickly also chat about the US Grand Prix, Sommel. And I think that's a heating battle as well. How's that looking with five races to go? Outstanding, Mr. Fantastic. We just had the most outstanding finish to the end of the race, where Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton were separated by literally under a second at the end. It was amazing. Uh, The thing is, it was a two-stop race. Basically, the teams and drivers had to make two pit stops. And what that does is it adds an extra variable, right? So, who is going to be faster in the final stint? And the fun part was, Mercedes said, right, we're going to let Lewis Hamilton have the freshest tyres at the end so that he can attack and maybe, just maybe, get Max Verstappen's lead. But that didn't happen. He got close. He got close. He just cut down a remarkable gap. But at the end, he just wasn't quick enough to beat Max Verstappen. And maybe that is a symbolic moment of the season. Just that Mercedes aren't quick enough to beat Red Bull when it really counts. The gap is only 10 points between them, which is still very, very close. And we've got five races coming up at, of course, Mexico, Brazil, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and at the end, Abu Dhabi. So things could be going really spicy. But even in the midfield, Mr. Fantastic, Ferrari and McLaren, they're just separated by three and a half points. How close is that? Well, it really has lined up to be a fantastic season. And uh, let's hope Verstappen can see this through. There you have called it. I'm putting my loyalties where they are. Exactly. No, it's good to see some change. And good to see Max challenging the existing order. And even the fans, Mr. Fantastic. There were 400,000 people coming in at the Circuit of the Americas to watch Max Verstappen do what he did. This sport is growing and growing fast and Verstappen could just be the new face of it considering how he's fighting the old guard in a way. Thanks a lot, Mr. Fantastic. We'll catch up again next week and hopefully by then we'll have some good news coming from the Indian team in the T20 World Cup. It's such a massive tournament for Virat Kohli, for Ravi Shastri, their last assignment in the T20 format. For Ravi, of course, it's the last assignment as coach. So hopefully, fingers crossed, We'll have some cheer in the, by, by the time we reach the next show. 